Welcome to Bushfire. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I like Neville Johnson, Session 1. Hello. My voice is not usually this deep. I need you to pray for my voice. Okay. Well, it's great to be here. Hallelujah. You know, this is God's time for the UK. When I first flew in here, I felt an emotion as we were driving to the hotel. And I couldn't kind of clarify what that emotion was. But I was able to pick it up from a scripture, which is like I feel is the a mood of the church here in the UK, or at least many people. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. And I, I, I could feel that as I flew in. And I was trying to kind of analyze it and pin it down. <clears throat> it goes on to say, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You know, there's been many prophecies, many words spoken over the UK, but Nothing really has happened, right? And sometimes they're conflicting and confusing prophetic voices and time goes by and you wonder what it's all about. Hope deferring makes the heart kind of sick. And I felt that emotion. But I want to tell you, the tree of life is about to rise in this land again. God has a time and a purpose for every nation. And uh, your time has come. Simple as that. Your time has come. And I want to share a few things with you. If you don't believe in visions and dreams and visits to heaven, you're in the wrong place. You know, God said he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. See visions, dream dreams. Called up to the heavenly realm. How many of you know we've got to have something better than we've got? We really do. Yes. You know, <clears throat> a number of years ago, 42 years ago, two human beings changed history by landing on the moon. <clears throat> when that was happening, my wife and I were working as missionaries way out in the Pacific Ocean, very remote areas. And we were listening to this broadcast, which was coming in in French. And we were listening to this broadcast step by step of what was happening, of the, you know, the lunar landing on the moon and so on. And as I sat there listening to this, the Lord spoke to me. 
He said, this, what you're listening to, is prophetic. Don't miss it. You know, it's interesting. Most people don't realize that what happened to Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, you know? But the fact that Buzz and they took communion on the moon... And uh, it wasn't broadcast at that time. And uh, some months after his return, he wrote about it in the Guidepost magazine. Buzz Aldrin was an elder in a Presbyterian church in Texas. And knowing that he would be doing something that no human being had done before, he wanted somehow to glorify the Lord. He asked his minister to help him. What should he do? And his minister suggested that he would take wine and some bread with him to the moon, which he did. And he took communion there on the moon. NASA cut it off because they were having legal problems with some... Christians who were, uh, not Christians, some atheists who were suing them um, for reference to God and so on. And um, he took communion on the moon. There, you know, 250,000 miles away from earth, he read the Gospel of John. And I am the vine, you are the branches. Whatever, whosoever abideth me shall bring forth much fruit. He read the whole, whole passage of Scripture. Then he took communion. We were way out in the Pacific with two little children. You've seen them, but they were really little then. Mark was two years old. We work in his missionaries listening to this. And the Lord said, that is a prophetic sign. And I kept saying, Lord, what is it? He said, it is a powerful, profound, prophetic sign. <clears throat> and I meditated on this and I thought about it. You know, what is all this about? It was the late 60s, the age of Aquarius. How many of you remember that? You're old enough to remember that? <laughs> the age of Aquarius, the musical hair, the beginning of rock music. Near crazy time. Aquarius, the constellation of Aquarius, is a man with a water pot pouring water into the earth. And God spoke to me, he said, I'm speaking to you. It is the age of Aquarius. I'm about to pour my spirit upon the church again. I thought about that. Sometime after that, 1972, I was pastoring a very small church. About 300 people. The age of Aquarius had dawned. It was the whole hippie scene, the drug scene and everything else, you know. But God was saying something. You know, 
the New Age movement really picked it up, but the church was asleep, you know. I mean, if you know, God's written the whole plan of salvation in the stars. Do you know that? The whole plan. We haven't got time for that tonight. We'd need three weeks. But the whole plan is written in the stars. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 19:1, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the firmament showeth forth its handiwork. Day unto day they utter speech. And night unto night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. These stars have a voice. Their line has gone out throughout the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. He's talking about the stars. They have a voice. Their knowledge has gone out to the ends of the earth. A new day was dawning in the late 60s and the early 70s. It was the age of Aquarius, the man with the water pot. This is not astrology, you know. This is God's set them for signs and seasons. The occult and astrologies took them off us. Just like the New Age took our rainbow and everything else. Don't worry. God's going to get them all back. God poured his spirit out in the charismatic move, which was an incredible move of God. Some of you might have been around. Who was around in the charismatic move? Whoa, there's quite a few. That was great. My church went from 300 to over 3,000 in the first 12 months. And maybe, you know, we weren't prepared for that. Well, at least a thousand demonized people sitting in church, manifesting in every service. Hippies. It was an exciting time. <laughs> God did some wonderful things. A age, a new age had come from the church. A real new age had come. A new, a new day had, had happened for the church. And God was pouring out His Spirit. And some incredible things happened. But you know what? Many of the old Pentecostals couldn't handle it. I have a Pentecostal background, you know, right from a little child. Couldn't handle it. I was in the Philippines, 1973, preaching in a monastery, or maybe it was a nunnery, if there is such a thing. But anyway... I had 300 nuns gathered together where I preached the gospel, the simple, simple gospel, and taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and virtually every one of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I came back and shared what God was doing. Three of the pastors took me aside and said, this is of the devil. Catholics cannot be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right? I said, who said so? I was naive. I didn't expect that, you know. A new age had dawned. God was pouring out a spirit 
upon all denominations. Everyone with a hungry heart, God began to meet in those days. But many in the Pentecostals didn't accept that, had hard trouble believing that Catholics could be saved, let alone baptized in the Holy Spirit. Anybody who seeks the Lord with all their heart can be saved, no matter who they are. We're coming to a new time now where God is going to pour out His Spirit and we have to be careful that we don't reject it because we don't understand it. God's going to do some things which are way beyond the paradigm in which we are living. We have to be very, very careful. God's going to do a new thing. You know, in... in Britain is, it has a reputation of being stayed. God's going to break that wide open. He really is. He's going to do a new thing. And we've got to be careful because, you know, a lot of things will happen whereby we don't understand. We're not fully understanding what is happening. I had real trouble in the charismatic move not with the Baptists, not with the Catholics. I had trouble with the Pentecostals. <laughs> I could tell you some stories. <laughs> I was in one meeting and I called this man out. The Lord spoke to me and said, that man in, in sitting in the front row has a spirit. He's, he has is a demon of so-and-so, so-and-so. I want you to cast it out. And I said, are you sure, Lord? <laughs> he said, yeah, go and cast it out. So I go down and I said, God, I stood this man up and I cast that demon out. He manifests real strongly. Cast him out. I didn't know he was a pastor of a Pentecostal church. <laughs> that got me into real trouble. I love the Pentecost. I brought up with them. But we have to be careful, you know. We have to be careful. Let's not miss, you see, what God is about to do. He's doing a new thing. He's not going back to the old. He's doing a new thing. And he's going to reach this generation of young people. A whole generation of young people. You know, who have not been brought up in the things of God. A whole generation where the enemy has had his hands into their life in the real death. God is going to get them. And we have to be very, very careful because God can, is going to do what he wants to do in his own way. And I don't know what that's going to be, but it will be different than what we have seen before and we have to have open hearts. We mustn't miss the prophetic implications of the fact, you know, they've just put a vehicle onto Mars, right? A SUV, uh, ATV vehicle, all-terrain vehicle. They have gone further than mankind has gone before. First time to the moon. <clears throat> but now, mankind has gone further and he has gone before. The church, first in the natural, then in the spiritual. The church is about to go, those who want to go, 
further than the church has ever gone in history before. We're on the brink of it. We're standing there. You know? This is not the story of the Starship Voyager. It's the story of the Starship Ecclesia. The church is going to go where the church has not gone before. And we're going to see it done. God is about to take us into the realm of the powers of the age to come. He has to do it before the end of this age. The Bible talks about those who have touched the powers of the age to come. That's the powers that we'll have in the millennium. Having them now, before the millennium even dawns. God is preparing the people to go into a new dimension. You know, we've seen in the past moves of God, right? Great moves of God. And we've seen in present times moves of God. And we saw Toronto. Now, how many Pentecostals said, oh, that's of the devil? Do you believe that? You know? Then we saw, you know, other moves of the Pensacola. A million people went through that church over two years. There were manifestations there that we couldn't understand, but it was God. I was in a meeting <coughs> where, it, it, well, not in Pensacola, but I was in a meeting where the the Toronto blessing was happening and I was trying to figure it all out, you know. I'm very careful because if you attribute the manifestations of the Holy Spirit to the devil, you are in really big trouble. There's no forgiveness for it. That's what the Bible tells us. So I'm very careful, <laughs> you know, very careful. And this man is on all fours and I'm sitting on the platform. He's all fours, barking like a dog. And I'm looking at this man. I thought, well, this, this is really interesting. <clears throat> and I thought, I'm not going to judge this man just because I don't understand it. But I said, Lord, what is this? The Lord spoke to me. He said, that man is a pastor. And he said, the Lord said to me, I'm very angry with my ministers. Because they are like dumb dogs. You know that scripture? They, were, they are not dealing with the issue of sin in the church. And this is a prophetic manifestation of that. And I backed off and said, Lord, blessed. <laughs> I'm not going to criticize any of this. We have to be very careful. Because we're going to see some things we will not understand. Oh, hallelujah. You know, major moves of God. 1948, there was a major move of God, right? Israel became a nation and the church in Israel, hand in hand, are restored together. And we had the 1948 move of God. Fantastic move of God, you know? <coughs> Men of God were raised up like Billy Graham. Oral Roberts, Tommy Hicks, T.L. Osborne, 
Many, many, you know, were raised up. They die and pass from the scene, right? And things quieten down again. But really, they haven't passed from the scene because their death is seed waiting for the rain to germinate in the next generation. Hear what I'm saying tonight. The Lord spoke to me just recently. I had an encounter face to face with the Lord. And he said this. He said, when Billy Graham and T.L. Osborne die, I'm going to take their mantles, divide them, bring them together, and release them upon the church. And I said, Lord, okay. When those two men die, T.L. Osborne, T.L. Osborne was an incredible man of signs and wonders. Incredible ministry he had. You know? I, I saw a, a film of his ministry in the, in, in the late uh, 70s, it was, somewhere in South America. He had this huge campaign. <clears throat> and he, he brought totally blind people up onto the stage, about 15 of them. Then he called all the witch doctors up to pray for them. And said, if your God is... The right God, he can heal them. So all the witch doctors came up and for 20 minutes did their thing. Nothing happened. Till husband goes along. And they all received their sight. Incredible things happened. Incredible miracles. Then you had Billy Graham. He preached for 20 minutes, give an old call, and thousands would come. What kind of anointing is that? Wow. But God said to me, when these two men die, he's going to combine their mantles. And he said, you will have the integrity of Billy Graham and the power of T.L. Osborne. Multiplied seven times. That is about to happen. Those two men are about to die. That's not a prophetic thing. It's just they're about to they're getting old. All right? They're going to die. And those mantles will be released. You see, there's a harvest that's got to be brought in. And you imagine the, 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 the integrity and the ability, the, the anointing that Billy Graham had coupled with Taylor Osborne, magnified seven times greater. Seeds lie buried, you see. Their mantles will be passed on to this generation and it will take the whole church to a huge another level. There are seeds that lie dormant in the UK. Many seeds out of the past Godly men seized, like Smith Wigglesworth. My dad was saved of the Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth. Remember the Jeffrey brothers, George and Stephen Jeffrey? My mother worked with them. William Booth, mighty man of God, 
had many spiritual encounters which are not well known about. Salvation Army wasn't like it is today. It was more blood and fire back there. The Welsh Revival. The Revival in the Hebrides. John Wesley. The seeds lie dormant in the earth, waiting in the UK for the rain to come. That's all. Just waiting for the rain. And their ministries, their mantles are going to be available in the United Kingdom. Seven times greater. Aren't you happy you're alive in this generation? You see, the church in the UK has been in decline. <clears throat> but God hasn't forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Not forgotten you. Oh, yes. <laughs> A few weeks ago, few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I was sitting in my lounge room. I got up early in the morning, sitting in my lounge room, <clears throat> went to make a cup of coffee, sat down. It was about five in the morning. And the Lord walked in the door. And I looked at the Lord, and he had a torch in his hand. You know, fire torch. Torch in his hand. And he said to me, Neville, I want you to take this torch to England. That's all he said. I wanted you to take this torch to England. I said, what? He said, I want you to take it to England as a symbol of what God's going to do. He's going to light a fire. And I said, yes, well, Lord, yes, I, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and he handed me the torch. Now, this is all happening at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to come fully awake. And I looked at this torch, and I thought, this is kind of the torch that, that I've read about somewhere. And I realized it was in Rick Joyner's book, The Torch and the Sword. So I took this torch, and... Um, <clears throat> I said, okay, Lord, yes, I'll take this torch and, and um, I'll take this torch when I go. I, he said, you know, where do I put it now? <clears throat> this is in the spirit, but I can see this torch real plainly. <clears throat> he said, just hold it in your home until you go to England. Okay, so I did that. And then suddenly, they came on television, the Olympics. And a torch being run through the streets of London, all across the world, into London. And as I looked at that, the Lord said, see? See what I'm doing? You know, the, the opening of the Olympics these days is part demonic and <coughs> part all kinds of stuff. That's not the point. 
is the prophetic sign. And millions of people saw that on television. The biggest gathering in London in its history was in this, these last Olympic Games. People from all over the world came to watch that torch. And you remember how the torch went? The flames came in from many angles and came up. People are going to come from all over the world to see this torch in England burn. Okay, you know. It's going to be something. And then there was this fairy tale wedding. You know? Over two billion people were watching that wedding in the UK. Over two billion people. Now, when two billion people are watching something, God is about to say something. When he's got that many people watching. My wife and I were sitting in our lounge just watching this, you know, kind of wrapped in this whole, you know, when women are more wrapped in it than men, but they were wrapped in it, you know, this whole thing. And we were looking at that, and the Lord said, Watch carefully. I said, Oh, okay. Watch carefully. I'm saying something. I thought, Oh, okay, I better watch carefully, you know. And as I started to watch this, a powerful anointing came upon me. The Lord said, this wedding is a prophetic statement. He said, a bride is being prepared. A bride is being prepared. And the whole world is watching. A quarter, no, a third of the births population were watching that wedding. Incredible. You know, Revelation 19 and verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor for the bride hath made herself ready. The bride is not made ready at the rapture. The bride makes herself ready before the rapture. Let's get it straight. There's this doctrine going around, you know, when we all cut up, we'll be changed. You will be changed, but the bride must make herself ready before then. Two things. There's this other doctrine, you know, the Lord could come tomorrow. The Lord can come at any time. I can tell you now, He can't. The bride's not ready. And the harvest has not yet been brought in. The Bible says He's waited a long time for the precious fruit of the earth. And so, I don't want to upset your theology, but if it, your theology is wrong at me, it maybe needs to be upset. The bride has to make herself ready. And if she doesn't, she won't be ready. Okay, now, I was watching this unfold, this whole wedding, you know, and, and it's interesting. <coughs> Excuse me, coughing, but that's the way it is. You got a problem, you know, in this nation with radical, you know what. 
We won't say the name for political purposes. I've been caught out in America with this, so, yeah, met by the FBI. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? When God pours out his spirit on this land, many of those people are going to have personal encounters of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, they are going to have face-to-face encounters with Jesus. And they are going to become missionaries to the rest of the Muslim world. What many in Britain thought was their demise is God's master plan. You know, very, it's kind of very interesting. Dr. Peter Wagner um, <coughs> shared about the situation in North Africa, this town in North Africa, which American missionaries had, had real trouble reaching because it was a, a, a Muslim town, you know. <coughs> And the missionaries weren't getting anywhere. And so, you know, <coughs> the missionaries retreated and were working somewhere else because they thought the place, it was hopeless. Then they heard something had happened in that town. What had happened was this, and it's Dr. Peter Wagner clearly documents it. And one night, everyone in the town had a visitation of Jesus. From the Imams down right to the, in, either in a dream or personal encounter. When the missionaries came in, the whole town was born again. It's documented clearly. Isn't that exciting? <coughs> and I thought, wow, that's fantastic. So Peter Wagner started to dig into the history of that town. He found the first Christian missionary to the Islamic world was martyred in that town. And a seed fell. Many, 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 many years later, the rain came. God can do it. God can do it. God has set them up in your nation. It's his master plan. See, we've got to see things from God's perspective. You know? We're living in exciting times. Exciting times. God is coming, ready or not. He's coming to your nation, ready or not. I saw aspects of this in vision form. How God was going to move across your nation. And it was wave after wave after wave. And it will be sustained and the fire will never go out. That's why I was so amazed at that that prophetic song, you know. It will not go out. Revivals have come and gone. This is not. This is reformation. And it's a different thing. God's going to do it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it comes, it is a tree of life. Hallelujah. I saw Ireland come alive in an unusual way because it came alive. God poured out his spirit and the gospel 
was being portrayed in Irish dancing. I was watching this in vision form. You know how the Irish, you know, the Irish dancing, how it swept the world? It's going to sweep the world again, taking the gospel. Isn't that exciting? Hallelujah. God's ways are past finding out. <laughs> I tell you, He's going to do it in an incredible way, you know? He's going to captivate people around the world. And at the end of all of these performances, the altar call, people flock to the altar. They were portraying the Lord in their dance. I have not seen, it hasn't ended into the heart of us what God is preparing for you. And ready or not, he's coming. Hallelujah. So, two billion people witnessed Catherine Middleton glide down the aisle. God said, I'm preparing a bride. A third of the world population is watching this. And this is my prophetic statement. And the Lord said, watch carefully. Watch, watch, watch carefully what's going on here. Watch Watch what's taking place, you know. So she came down the aisle to the song from Psalm 122, prophesying a time when Jesus would return and rule to the earth. Two billion people heard it. Westminster Abbey resonated with the sound of 1,900 guests singing a hymn written by a Welsh preacher. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Pilgrim through this foreign land. I am weak, but you, you are mighty. Open the crystal fountain. Let the healing stream flow. They sang that song. God was saying something to England and the rest of the world. Guide me, O your great Jehovah. He had the ears of the third of the population of the world. Oh. And so it went on. I don't think the Archbishop Canterbury understood anything of what was going on. That's not the, p <laughs> that's not the point. It was the couple that was being married chose the hymns and what would be sung. And the vows, which were, God has ordained a man and a woman. And he's read it out, probably biting his lip, but he read it out. For the whole world to hear. See, God's doing something in this nation. which the rest of the world are going to take note of. These are prophetic signs. <clears throat> you know, England sent out missionaries all over the world in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. They took the English language with, with them preaching all over the world. Many of them died as martyrs. I remember some of those missionaries used to come home on furlough and would stay in uh, my parents' home. Um, 
Jimmy Salter. How many of you heard Jimmy Salter? He used to stay in our home. He was a missionary into Africa. William Burton and others. They died. Many of them were martyred. James Salter was martyred. The memory of them kind of fades. But the seed lies dormant in the earth. Just waiting the rain. Oh, it's exciting. They still have an inheritance here in this nation. And God's about to light a torch here. God is going to take the very best of those seeds, like Smith Wigglesworth, the Jeffrey Brothers in Healing, William Booth, the Welsh Revival, all of these things... He's going to take the very best out of those moves and combine them into one move. He will honor the fathers of the faith in this nation. And their mantles will be dispersed across the nation. Isaiah 43:19. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth and you will know it. And I will make rivers in the wilderness. Hallelujah. You see, in Isaiah 49, verse 8, it says, Thus says the Lord, In an acceptable time I've heard you. One of the things I saw in vision form were mothers in this nation praying for their children. Children who had gone away from the Lord. There were thousands of them in this vision. God is hearing those prayers. God is hearing those prayers. And he's going to get your children. And he's going to form them into an army of the Lord. He's going to bring them in. In an acceptable time, he said, I have heard you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. And I'll pre preserve you. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when it comes, it's a tree of life. I want to encourage you, you know. I want to encourage you tonight because <clears throat> something new is coming. We have seen the prophetic movement, the rise of prophets and the prophetic movement. And all the good and the bad that's gone with that, right? You know... You can't have everything perfect. What we have to be like, we have to make provision for people to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. Let's not shoot the wounded. Come on. It's got to stop. The church, just like no other army, shoots their own wounded. God's not going to tolerate it anymore. We've seen the prophetic move come. With all its good things and all its bad things. That's all right. You know, that's normal life. Get over it. Let's continue on with God. Some things go wrong. Some people fall by the wayside. But don't shoot them. They can be restored, you know. 
You can be nursed back to life. But there's a new movement coming, and it's an apostolic movement. There's a new apostolic reformation on the way. It's not a revival. It is a reformation. And it's coming. We're living in an earth now in the midst of the most significant changes in the church since the church was birthed at Pentecost. God's going to break out of all the traditional boundaries. Hallelujah. He is. This is much deeper. This thing is much deeper than revival. Revivals peter out. You know what revivals are for? They're actually resuscitation because the church is dying. So you have revival, which is resuscitation just to keep them alive. They just get revived a bit. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a reformation that changes the whole of society. It changes the governments of the nations. It changes the way totally we do church. It's much deeper than just revival. A complete reformation. It's the dawning of something brand new. The beginning of the final apostolic age. It was the apostolic age which began the early, in the early church. It's the apostolic age which will finish it. The charismatic moves saw, saw them uh, uh, primarily a move in teaching. And it was good, fantastic, anointed revelation and teaching. You know, um, all of these things are going to be combined into this last move. And it's like... Interesting, huge shifts are going to take place. You see, you know, in 1521, Martin Luther was called before the diet in the city of Worms to give an explanation of what he was doing. Right? Catholic Church was very upset with him um, because he said you could be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. That was a no-no. You can't be saved by faith in Jesus. You have to be saved by the priest. Right. So that put the cat among the pigeons. So they called him in. Luther stood up and he said, My conscience is bound by the word of God. Unless I am convinced by the sacred scriptures that I am in error, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. So help me God. A contract was put out on his life, but God preserved him. He was branded a heretic. But the Reformation was underway. That Reformation took the church out of the Dark Ages. How many of you know we're back in the Dark Ages across the nations? Look at the nation. Look what's happening in the nation. We're in the Dark Ages. There are wars and atrocities like and riots. The spirit of lawlessness is everywhere. This is going to take us out.
just this reformation that's coming on the scene. You know, much has been lost over the last 20, 30 years. The early Pentecostals really had something which we lost. We lost it. We didn't even have it in the charismatic move, as good as that was. You know, many of the old foundations have been eroded. Such things like holiness. Who preaches holiness anymore, you know? It's not fashionable. Very few. Holiness is not just a doctrine, it's an experience. It's a life-changing experience. Baptism of fire. Early church and the early Pentecostals in this nation had a baptism of fire that came with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Charismatic move did not have the baptism of fire. It had a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't quite complete. We lost that element which the early church had. I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. When you're baptized in fire, there is an absolute dramatic change in the person's life. The old is burnt right out. They, we live in, we're living among a demonized generation. Many of our young people are demonized for many reasons now, and a lot of it is video games. But they're demonized into drugs, into all this, that, that, the other. They're going to get saved, right? They will need a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire to get the demons out. Demons cannot stand the fire. And there will be salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in one hit and a massive cleanup. You hear what I'm saying? The seraphims are coming. The seraphims are coming. Spirits are burning. Seraphim came to, to Isaiah, took a coal and touched his tongue, and he said, I'm not done. He was a good man. He was a good man. He was a prophet and, and, and a nice man. Until. Till that angel came across and said, Hey, buddy. <laughs> he said, I'm unclean. I've got an unclean mouth. He never saw any of that before then. They're coming. The seraphims are coming. Spirits of burning. The literal meaning for seraph is the spirit of burning. And they're going to stand in our midst. It just takes one or two of them in the church. And all hell is going to break loose. And leave. They're coming. God's going to restore holiness back to the church. <laughs> My grandfather was a preacher in the Welsh Revival, and he used to tell stories which were passed down. You know, a lot of things happened which happened in the Welsh Revival, if that happened today, most Pentecostals would reject it. Don't look at me like that. They had things happening there. We would have called the cultish. But they weren't. 
It was God. God has his own way of doing things. It's quite a love of those preachers that would go home at night, they'd kneel down before the Lord, and they would be gone, traveling in the spirit to hospitals around this nation, healing the sick. That didn't get into the books. <laughs> You're looking at me like, I don't know what. On the 22nd of June this year, uh, the Lord woke me up at 3 a.m. and urged me to get up, which I wasn't inclined to do. I said, Lord, you know, I usually get up at 5 or half past. What's this 3 o'clock business? <laughs> he said, go down to the living room. Said, okay. I went down the living room and started to pray. And I can't describe what happened to me, whether I fell into a trance, what was happening. But suddenly, there were people come came down into my room. And I said, oh, yes. The Lord was there and other people there. I'll talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> but you know, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter and James and the Lord talked to Abraham. Hey, isn't that necromancy? Going silent in here. The Lord stood right next to me and he said, The day has now come when you'll begin to see great anointings breaking out across the earth. You must allow these anointings to strengthen your spirit. The time has come to stand and not fall. And I want you, he said, to reveal the Father to this generation. And I looked at the Lord. And he said this to me, tell my people, he said, they are the sent ones to this generation. If they are alive in this generation, they are the sent ones to this generation. And I thought, wow. He said, I'm about to release my true apostolic anointing across the church. This involves all of us. He said to me, many angels are now prepared to come to earth. <coughs> they will carry and diffuse the anointing. You know, Catherine Kuhlman would never pray for the sick until this particular angel came and stood next to her. I was in her meetings and we waited three hours and she kept apologizing because the angel hadn't come yet. But when he did come, I saw people leaping out of wheelchairs. My kids were saying, isn't that cool? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he said, That's, many angels are prepared to come, being trained to come. He said, truth will be revealed like never before. You were sent to reveal the heart of the Father. 
Then he pointed to a man and he said, listen to Elijah who was in my room or in my trance, whatever, wherever we were. He was there. And Elijah said this, the spirit that was upon me in the earth will be seen in the earth again and will turn the hearts of the children, this lost generation, to their heavenly father. And he quoted a scripture, you know, from Malachi, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the, two, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of children to the fathers. The father is going to make himself known that anointing that Elijah carried. The spirit of Elijah will be in the earth again. And the purpose of it is to reveal the heart of the Father to this generation. To show them what God is like. To the children. He said, in my day there were droughts. Rain and deluges of rain, fire and wind and earthquakes, confrontations with the powers of darkness. These were redemptive judgments to turn the nation back to God. And he said, you're beginning to see them now in your generation. We've just seen what happened in New York. But what is coming, we have no idea. And people say, well, why would a loving God judge the earth? Why would he cause this kind of thing to happen? The Bible tells us that when his judgments are in the earth, the people will learn righteousness. One thing you must understand, everything that God does is redemptive. Everything, without any exceptions. God is love. So he cannot be anything else. It's, he doesn't have love. He is love. That's who he is. So everything he does or allows has to be out of a motivation of love. And it is redemptive. You must understand that. Otherwise the doctrine is going to go haywire. You're going to say, These are, this is the devil causing all these judgments. No, it's not. God is allowing this to happen. And the other aspect is, of course, what, you, what the world sows, it will reap. That's, God, that's a law which God cannot change. God is love. That never changes. You know, God will allow us to bang our heads against the wall until we come to, to the truth. Terrible things are going to happen in the earth. I've seen some of them. You would not believe some of the stuff that's coming. In with nature and other things, terrible stuff's coming for one purpose to turn the hearts of the people, to get the people to a point where their only hope is God. It's redemptive. And we mustn't fear these judgments that are coming on the earth. We must be there to tell the people why they're happening. Hallelujah. You see, there have been... Where is that time going by? What time do we have to close? If you have to go home, that's all right. But, you know, 
from, if you count all the people from Adam down to 19, I think it was the last time I checked, in 1989, all the people that have been born and have died from Adam up to 1989, there are more people in the, in the earth alive today than there were in all that period. Think about it. It's, it's true. Why has God determined to have the greatest outpouring in the world when the, in the world there are almost 7 billion people? Because God is going to scoop the pool at the time when there are more people in the earth than there has ever been before. He's going to plan, he's planned the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. In the final analysis, when the final count is done, there will be more people in heaven than there is in hell. He's going to do it. If not, God has failed. And the devil has won. But in the time when there are nearly 7 billion people in the earth, the gospel is going to be preached with incredible signs and wonders to every person on this planet. God knows what he's doing. You know? And it's exciting. He said, you must preach the truth and warn the people of the coming redemptive judgments. Then Moses took me by the hand and he said, the spirit that was upon me in my days in the earth will be upon many in your day. The apostolic anointing is about to be released in the earth in great power. The true end time apostles are coming. These apostles will think, function in all of the fivefold ministry gifts and they will lead my people through the deep waters into the promised land. I looked at him and he said, you know, he said, in my day, he said, we saw great plagues in Egypt. But he said, there was a place called Goshen. My people in Goshen never had any of the plagues come upon them. They were in the same region, but in a place called Goshen. None of the flies came. None of the frogs came. There was nothing like that. I mean, you know, we can have our Goshen in these last days. A place in the midst of this world where everything is going haywire. There's a place of safety to walk with God in. And so I listened to him, you know, and... I thought, well, you know, he said, a new reformation is about to begin. And he said to me, it's not what you call revival. It's reformation. He said, and, and anyway, this, this went on. And when I came out of this, I was lying on the floor. And I thought, did I dream that? Did I fall asleep? But I'm sure I wasn't asleep. But however, it happened. And I cannot deny it. Whether you think of it or believe me or not, there's not here nor there. And to me, it happened. And I met these people. 
and I met the Lord. And I thought about it for a long, long time. You know, God's going to cast a net across the whole earth. The Bible tells us, you know, in Matthew about the, the, the parables in Matthew, that last parable, he cast a net over the earth and gathered in what? The good and the bad. Evil is maturing and good is maturing. You know, Charles Dickens wrote the story of A Tale of Two Cities. Well, this is The Tale of Two Kingdoms. And he opened that book by these, with these words, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. We're living in the best of times and we're living in the worst of times because there's two kingdoms now which are clashing. But we've read the last chapter and we know who wins. Hallelujah. It's going to be exciting. You know, just before Luther came on the scene, the printing press was invented in England, in, in Europe. God has a great planning stuff, you know. He invented the printing press. Then he let the Reformation come. The whole Reformation was spread through that printing press. <laughs> right into England and all over the world. They printed everything out. Charismatic move came. And the cassette tape was invented. In my church, we were sending out 20,000 tapes a week. We had a full-time department all over the world. But look what we've got today. We've got YouTube. <laughs> You're going to see the most profound miracles reenacted on YouTube. You're going to see arms grow out. You're going to see people without eyeballs suddenly grow back and the whole world will see it. You're going to see the miracles that you could not have dreamed of because God, this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached in the entire world with signs following so that no one is without excuse. You're going to see on YouTube people raised from the dead and they're going to give their testimonies, I went to hell, and another one, oh, I went to heaven. There'll be no excuse. At times they'll shut the internet down to try and stop it. <laughs> oh, he's going to cast a net. It's all going to come out in the open. It's an apostolic reformation. Nothing in history to reference this to or, or compare it to. We'll have nothing to compare it to. That's why we have to be open and discerning. Did you know it's Hebrews 12 all over again, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he promised yet one more time, I'll shake the earth and I'll shake the heavens. We're going to see asteroids, we're going to see stuff coming in, 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 into the earth like we have never seen before. Small ones, sometimes bigger ones. He's going to shake the heavens. He's going to shake the earth. There are going to be signs in the heavens. Jesus said there will be signs in the heavens. 
sun, the moon, stars. It's going to be interesting. Best of times, the worst of times. Nothing to reference it to. He went on to say in Hebrews 12:27, in this word, yet one more signifying the removing of those things which can be shaken, as those things which are made, that those things which cannot be shaken shall remain. Wherefore we receive the purpose of this shaking, we receive a kingdom that can never ever be moved again. This shaking is to produce another world order, the kingdom of God in the earth. And we're closer to it than most people think. Hallelujah. This clash with the Antichrist and all the governments of the world, that's, that's what it's all about, you know. People say, oh, we'll be caught away before the Antichrist comes on the scene. Sorry to tell you, you won't. Why are, you, why are Christians warned not to take the mark if you're not going to be here? Come on. You've got to be, this generation's got to be tried. Their loyalty's going to have to be tried. Exciting times. Never been a day like this. I'll be quick. Okay. I was in, a, in church in, in, in 1996, I think it was. And I was in a prayer meeting in my church. And we have some, had some steps up like this, and I was sitting on the steps, and people were praying. We had these all night, and I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> you know, I'd like, no matter how I'm instructed, people were praying the same old prayers, the same unanointed prayers. It was just a routine, you know? And I was sitting on the stairs and thinking, Lord, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to resign. And I felt someone come and sit down next to me, and I wasn't in the mood, so I wasn't going to look at them. <laughs> and so I just sat there, and then I felt the presence of the Lord increasing, so I turned, and it was the Lord. <laughs> I said, oops. <laughs> and he just looked at me. And he, he said this, literally he said this to me, I don't blame you. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm doing my best. But, you know. And then he touched me, put his hand on my shoulder. And suddenly I was watching this vision when he touched me. And that was like, <laughs> it was very interesting. And uh, it was a vision of a tidal wave sweeping through some of the islands off the east coast of Australia. And I watched this and watched this sweep through some of those islands. There was one island that it didn't, uh, one island that was completely wiped out. And the church, so this stone church on the island was completely wiped out. And I just saw this happen. And the Lord turned to me and he said, this is a prophetic sign, don't miss it. I thought, oh, okay. So, 
he just went to talk to him and he wasn't there anymore. So I thought, okay, there's a lot to think about there. And I couldn't wait the meeting to get over with and go home and think about it. And I thought, Lord, what is this? What is this? Nothing happened. But a year later, there was an earthquake off the northeastern coast of Australia and created a tsunami. And it swept over the islands in the New Hebrides and up through that whole region. But just one island was wiped out and the church on that island. And the name of that island was Pentecost Island. Literally, that's the name of the island. And I thought, wow. Some of the Australian churches went in with aid and medical supplies along with the armed forces and so on. <clears throat> and I said, Lord, what is this about? I love the Pentecostals. That's my heritage. I can't, you know, I'm ashamed of some of the way, what they do in the way they speak about other people and churches. But I love them. That was my heritage. I said, Lord, what is this about? And the Lord looked at me and he spoke a scripture to me. I want to read it to you. Habakkuk 1.5 And behold, among the nations, and watch, and be astounded, for I will work a work in your day which you would not believe if I told you about it. And he, I thought, wow. And it goes on in chapter 2, verse 3, for the vision, but the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will come. And I looked at that word, end, and it means the end of an age. At the end, it will come. It will not lie, and it will speak. Wait for it, for it will surely come. And when it comes, the Lord said, I will raise up a new kind of church in the earth. It won't, be, it won't be Pentecostal. It won't be Baptist. It won't be Lutheran. And he looked, Lutheran, he looked at me and said, it will be my church. My church. You see, we Pentecostal think we've got it all. We're baptized in the whole, we're born again. Uh, we're up with the Baptists because we've got baptized in water. And we went further because we baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Baptists didn't go further. We went further. We think we've got it all. We haven't got it all. You know, when they came out of Egypt and they celebrated Passover, which was salvation, right? Came out of Egypt. Passover lamb was slain. They went for 50 days into the wilderness. What does 50 speak of? Come on, Pentecost, 50 days, they waited 50 days, you know, after Jesus rose from the dead for the Holy Spirit to come. They went for 50 days, came to Sinai, and there was a manifestation of the power of God in Pentecost. They had water out of the rock. They had prophecy. They had healings. Not one feeble person, but they didn't get into the promised land. That's where we are still in the wilderness don't look at me like that a whole 
idea was to get into the promised land and go to Mount Zion. Read Hebrews chapter 12. We have all of those things in Pentecost, but we're still in the wilderness. We haven't reached the fullness of the purposes of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the end. The Feast of Pentecost is not the end. There is another feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. And oh, that's a very different feast. You see, God's going to take us on. He said, if I told you what was coming, he said to Habakkuk, he said, I'm going to do a thing in the earth that is so great. He said, if I told you about it, you wouldn't believe me. There's some things that are coming. If God told us about them now, we wouldn't believe them. And all this came out of a board prayer meeting. You know, <laughs> he said the church will release kingdom power and kingdom love in a way that has never been seen before in the earth. You know, now from then the years went by, and it's, we've not we've seen moves of God go and come, and things like that. You know what happened in Pensacola was an incredible move of God. No matter. And people say, oh, there were excesses and all. There were excesses in the Welsh Revival. Come on. You're always going to have some excesses. You're always going to have some loony people in the middle of it. But the truth is there as well. Those kids were being transformed in Pensacola and under incredible manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And it was lost because the assemblies of God wanted to rein it in and it died out. Sorry, but that's the truth. Absolute truth. You can't rein in a move of God. You'll kill it. The wind will blow where it will. Habakkuk, you know, he was crying out to God. He was saying, Lord, how long will I cry unto you and you not hear me? Does that sound familiar? How long? He said, well, how long is this thing? You know? All I can see around me is violence and heartache. Won't you hear us? He said in verse 3, why do you show me iniquity? You know, and all of these things, grievance and spoilance and violence, contention, he said, and strife. The law is slacked and wrong judgment is given in the courts. Does that sound familiar? And how he was saying, you know, he was, he was, he was talking this way to the Lord. Days of violence, increased iniquity, strife, contention. To a day when the lawmakers can't handle what's going on. You know, in Psalm 94 and verse 20 says, South throne of iniquity have fellowship with you, which frameth mischief by laws. See, now governments bring all kinds of laws, homosexuality, and all kinds of stuff. And it says here, the throne, shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with us, who frameth laws, evil laws. 
they gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous. See, the governments are doing that today in the earth. It's the same day as Habakkuk was. And he's saying, God, how long? How long? He said, what's, you know, he was crying out to God for change. And then he said in chapter 2, verse 14, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He was quoting the scripture to God from the book of Numbers. Numbers 14:21. That scripture he said, You said that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. Lord, where is it? How long? And... Uh, He's pleading with God to, to bring to pass his promises. Pleading with God to fulfill his word. And then suddenly he sees something which blows him away. And what God shows him, it doesn't make it clear, but he sees something, you know? And he's so taken back by what he sees. He says, I'm going to stand upon my watch. I'm going to go up into my tower. And I'm going to watch to see what the Lord will say to me. Interesting, these prophets. He didn't say, I'm going to watch what the Lord will say to me. He said, I'm going to watch what the Lord will say to me. But he said, I shall answer him when I'm approved. I will see, he says. I will see what the Lord will say to his God, because God spoke to them in visions. He said, I'll see what the Lord will say to me, what he'll show me. And he said, you know, he said, Habakkuk, you wouldn't believe it. But the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, in our day and age, at the end of the age, it shall come. Wait for it. For it shall surely come. It shall be plain at the end. He said, look to the nations and see what I will do. It's coming an apostolic reformation. I'm closing now. But apostolic reformation. And if God showed us the fullness of it, we wouldn't believe him. God's going to do a work in the earth. That's going to be incredible. God's not going to lose this battle. Hallelujah. And he's going to use at least the, the, the United Kingdom. I mean, he'll use other places. But the United Kingdom will become a showcase for this. Just as that wedding was a showcase. Nations will come to see what God's doing here. There will be a torch that will continue to burn and not go out. It will not be a revival that will come and go. Listen to me. Every time God moves, it divides the church. Be very much aware. There will be those who will say, this is God, and will go with it. The others will say, actually, this is the devil, and we won't go with it. They're saying that now about us. Even Pentecostals are saying that. Some of them. It will divide the church. Don't let that 
flick you out, you know. It's, it's okay. That's what God does. He wants unity. And that's what the apostolic reformation will bring. He'll bring churches together. When God moved in my church, we had so many people getting saved. I couldn't stop them getting saved. Every Monday morning, I'd, ga- I'd gather half a dozen ministers from that city and say, here, you've got 50 people. Take care of them. Salvation Army down the road, and there was spirituals. You've got 50 people. Take care of them. We had fantastic fellowship among those ministers. If one minister needed a car or a vehicle or something, we'd all club together, take an offering up and get him a car. Now, if the church down the road gets more people saved than we do, we get jealous of them. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. It's going to change. It's going to change. Hallelujah. God's going to do it. And when he does. Do you believe me? Good. Good. Because it is your time. I'm not saying it's going to come next week or the next month, but it's coming. And it's, we're not talking years away. This thing is on the way. Yeah. This thing's going to start. And it's going to grow. It starts smaller places, you know. And these two, the fire will start here and the fire will start there. And then the fires will join together. That fire will start on there. It will join together. And there will be unity among them. And it doesn't care whose church is growing bigger than the other. It, it, it will be impossible in the end to have churches because you will not have a building big enough. It'll, you'll have to get, you will have to gather together in football stadiums. You see, in the New Testament, they had a temple and they had the synagogues. They came up to the temple to worship. But in the synagogues, they taught the people. Hear what I'm saying? God's going to raise up an army of people who are able to teach new converts and bring them through into every... That's the synagogue. But we'll all come to worship together in the outdoor tabernacle, the the temple. And it'll be the church in the city. Oh. Isn't it exciting? I tell you, hallelujah. He come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's your time. What you must do, you know, you must streamline your lives to prepare your hearts and be ready for what's coming. You know? We can be so long without God doing anything, we fall into a rut of habitual habits in our life. It's going to change, you know. You're all going to have to teach others. All of you. So, you know, the word sent means you are sent into this generation for such a time as this. All of you. 
I'm closing in two minutes. Listen, listen to me. Where did you come from? Where did your spirit come from? Right. Now why weren't you born in the middle of the dark ages then? Why were you born in this generation? Why were you sent like the apostolic? Why were you sent from heaven to be on the earth at this time? You were sent once. That's the apostolic. Doesn't mean you're all apostles. Just like you can prophesy, but that doesn't make you all prophets. But you can all carry an aspect of the prophetic, of the apostolic ministry. All of you. You were sent. You didn't originate on this planet. That's not where you came from. You existed in heaven for hundreds of years before you ever came here. Don't look at me like that. Your spirit wasn't just created at conception, you know. There are spirits in heaven which are spirits. They'll never become sons of God. There's angels and other kinds of spirits. But you had the opportunity to come here. To become a son of God. To be born with his DNA in you. See? Your spirit. You've been around a long time. You're a lot older than you think. (laughs) And you qualified. Listen to me. You qualified to be able to be sent into the earth in this end time generation. You are the sent ones. They've been sent into the earth for such a time as this. And you are all going to be involved. The days of coming and sitting in the pew and then going home and doing nothing are coming to an end. The, came, the days where there's just one man ministry up front is coming to an end. There'll always be apostles and prophets which will bring the word of the Lord. But I tell you, you people have got to be the ones who do the teaching and the discipling. Get ready. When we had this move of God in the charismatic move, the entire country ran out of Bibles. Interesting, isn't it? You'll make sure that doesn't happen again. Such a time as this. If I could just get you to glimpse what's coming. And how God has ordained for you to be a part of it. A part of it. You've been sent with a purpose and a destiny for this time. You're not just sent here to, you know, come to church, eventually die and end up in heaven. You're sent here with a purpose, which you must fulfill in a plan. You have a destiny, and God will anoint you for it.
You've come to the kingdom for such a time. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, let's just stand together, just change our position for a bit. It'll give us a better. Lord, you know every person here. And you know, Lord, that They're here because you chose for them and sent them into this world and into this nation with a purpose, a plan, and a destiny. Lord, many people wait years and time goes by and it gets difficult. But they're still alive here and now. And is coming. It's time to seek the Lord with all of your heart. It's time to keep presenting yourself to Him over and over again. It's time to seek Him. It's time to seek to know Him. This is your hour. This is the hour of the UK, and it's your personal hour now. You've come to this time kingdom for such a time. Lord, I just pray for every person here tonight. I pray, Lord, first that you'll give them a real sense of destiny. An acute sense of destiny. Lord, in Jesus' name. Let them realize They qualified to be sent here. That's a privilege. There's a good reason to be here. Father, I pray that that sense of destiny will begin to grow within them. That every one of them will get a sense, no matter how old or how young. God needs every age group. No matter how old or how young, you're here alive now on this planet Earth, in this country, in this city for such a time. And I pray, Lord, that you will awaken them within them during this time together. You would awaken within them a profound sense of destiny. Because you're about to equip them for that destiny, to fulfill it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see many angels here tonight. And I think there's been much opposition against us gathering here this week. But God has that in control. It's an important time, not because I'm here, but it's an important time because the time has come, the set time has come for you.
And I pray, Lord, that during these meetings together, there will be such an impartation into their lives that will start to bring about a transformation. That revelation will come to them about reason, their destiny. Revelation will come. And with that revelation will come the giftings and power and that which is necessary to fulfill it. Impartation, Lord. Impartation by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. If you'd like any more information, please go to our website, www.bushfireministries.co.uk or see our online web shop, www.bushfire-shop.org. 